Good morning, church. The passage that we're going to look this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and verses 24 to 29. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. And I just want to read this passage out for you. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. What is your life built on? What is your faith built on? Or rather, what is your foundation? Brothers and sisters, during this pandemic, you would probably find yourself building your life upon the word of God or you would find yourself chasing after the things of this world. You see, this is important because the scripture tells us that where you build your life upon today or rather what is your foundation today will really tell you where you're going to spend your eternity at. The scripture also tells us that those of you who spend your time studying the word and spending your time learning God's word and living according to it will spend the rest of your eternity with God in heaven. Whereas those of you who spend your time chasing after things of this world, enjoying the pleasures of this world and believing in the false promises that this world offers you, you will find yourself spending the rest of your life in hell. So then, what is your faith built on? Or rather, what is your life built on? There is this story about two young brothers who visited their uncle. Their uncle was very strict, whereas these boys were very naughty and notorious. So when they visited their uncle, their uncle called them and told them, listen, you guys can have fun, you guys can run around, play around, you can do whatever you want. But I want you to come and say something. So behind their house, they had a river and the uncle pointed at the river and said, that's the only place you guys cannot go. And then the uncle looked at them and said, children, the river streams are very strong. You need to be careful. The boys listened and they nodded their head and they said, yes, uncle, we'll be careful. But the next day morning, as they were playing, one of them, you know, was just tempted to go check it out. Just go see. So he went and he stood next to the river. The other brother started running to him and said, hey, you're not supposed to be here. He said, it doesn't look like it's strong. Why don't we just go play in the water for some time? I think uncle is just being strict. We don't have to listen to him. And these two boys jumped into the water to play. And that was the end of them. After a few days, they found the bodies. 
As soon as the uncle saw the body, the uncle started crying out and said, I told you so. I told you so. Warnings are important. Warnings are given to us so that it keeps us from bad consequences. These boys in the story did not give heed to warning. They heard it, but they were not obedient. Hence, they faced consequence. This morning, the text that we're going to look into, though it's not necessarily a warning, but I want to look at this particular text as a warning from Jesus Christ himself. You see, we have an option to listen to warnings that are shared to us from various people. If we want to listen, we can listen. If you don't want to listen, we don't have to listen. But church, let me tell you, if there is one warning you want to give all your attention to and listen carefully and to be obedient to, that would be from Jesus himself. Because when Jesus says it will happen, it will happen. The passage we have taken is the conclusion of one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It is preached by Jesus himself. He calls his disciples to a mountain and he sits them down and he teaches them. He tells them what a true Christian should look like when they live on this earth. This message was important to Jesus because there were so many so-called followers of God called the Pharisees and scribes who called themselves as the best Christians. But they were just fake Christians in the sense they would preach, they would teach, they would go to whatever extent to show that they love God, but it was all activities, whereas their hearts never produced change. Where the word of God was not changing their lives. So Jesus starts off his sermon in Matthew chapter 5. He says, a true believer should be poor in spirit. A true believer should mourn over his sin. A true believer is meek. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And he's saying this, this, these are the attitudes a true Christian should have. And following this, he says that the very purpose of every Christian is to be light and salt of this earth. And he says so that your light may shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And that is the purpose of every believer who follows Christ. Then he speaks about good works. He says it's not something that happens externally. It needs to come from the inside. He says that you have to have righteousness that exceeds that of Pharisees and scribes. Pharisees and scribes, like we said a moment ago, they were clean on the outside, but their heart was filthy. You might have external religion, but God doesn't care for that. What he's saying is your internal heart needs to be like God. It needs to be pure and holy. It needs to be right. And then he goes on to explain, you say, you see, to murder is not just to physically pull a trigger or stabbing someone with a knife. It's more than that. He says, if you talk ill about your brother, or if you, if you have anger against somebody, you've already committed murder. He goes, and goes on to say that, you see, to commit adultery is not to sleep with a woman. It's more than that. 
if you have looked with your eyes or mind lustfully, you have already committed adultery. And so Jesus Christ continues to teach his people how to live a righteous life, not just externally, but it needs to start from the inside. Then he speaks about judging others. That's the passage that we looked into last time I preached. We looked at it and we said that change does not begin outside. It needs to start from your heart. Jesus says, before you look into the speck of your brother's eye, first you need to take out the log from your own eye. Change begins within ourselves. Then he goes on to give them a choice. He tells them that there are two gates. One is a narrow gate. One is a wide gate. He says the narrow gate leads to eternal life. The wide gate leads to hell. But he says that there are so many on the wide gate because it is easy to find. It is comfortable. It looks a lot like the world that we live in. Then he says about the narrow gate. He says it is difficult to find. There are very few on that road. You see, it is difficult because following Jesus and living like a Christian on earth is not easy. Jesus himself later says in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 onwards, he says, if you are to follow me, you need to deny yourself and take up the cross. Self-denial is essential to become a Christian. It means you need to reject yourself as the dominating factor of your life and replace you with Christ Jesus. So that now everything you do, you think you say will be centered around what the Lord wants you to do rather than what you want to do. And then he goes on to say that you have to carry the cross, which means you will face persecution. There will be suffering. There will be trials of various kinds in your life. Christian life is not going to be easy. And then he goes on to say to be careful of false prophets because they will come and say, you know, you need to go through this white gate. They will make it so attractive. But Jesus is saying you need to judge them by their fruits. You see, brothers and sisters, the best way to know if you are truly a child of God or not is just by judging your fruit. If you are truly a child of God, you will produce fruit that comes from God. If you're not a child of God, you will produce bad fruits in your life. And then he says there's another reason why there are many on the wide road. Because many are deceived. And this, my friends, is one of the most scariest passages in the Bible. From verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Church, I want you to listen to me carefully. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Church, it is scary because there are many people around us who are being deceived. They're being deceived because they think all these activities and things that they do in the name of the Lord 
is all that matters. Like I want us to think of this passage a little more practically, okay? I want you to think, let, let's take our church for example. Jesus saying, there will be many on that day that will go up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, listen, I went to CBF every Sunday. I attended the cell group every week. I was part of the Sunday school team. You know, I was part of the setup team. I was part of the music team. You know, I was the person who raised my hand and worshipped God. You know, I did all these things. And I, you know what, Jesus, you know what's cool? I did it in your name. And there were so many people who came and tapped my shoulder and said, hey, you did such a great job. It was fantastic. It was so encouraging. But then scripture says, the Lord will look at you and say, I never knew you. What does that mean? How can Jesus say something like that, that he did not know me? I did everything in your name. How can you say that? You see, the root word for that word new in this particular verse, or the word know, is this Greek word called eknon, which means there was no relationship between you and Jesus. Yes, you did so many things in the name of Jesus, but you never had a relationship with Jesus, which means you never faithfully followed Jesus every day of your life which means you did not deny yourself. You did not carry the cross. You did a lot of these things to show Jesus that you love him, whereas it did not genuinely come out of a true love for Jesus. You thought your performances would make Jesus and others happy. You just wanted people to know that you're a good Christian. Friends, you can deceive everybody around you, but you cannot deceive Jesus. And look at how Jesus says, he says that, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It means, listen, you cannot call G Lord, Lord and do all, all of those things in this name, whereas you're living a sinful life. You're continuingly sinning and there is no change. There is no good fruit in you. It doesn't work. If you are a follower of Christ, you are called to produce good fruit in your life. And so then we reach the passage where we're going to look into this morning. But before we look into the details of this passage, I want to bring out a few facts. Uh, this passage uh, teaches us or tells us. Firstly, we see that this passage talks about two builders, one the wise builder and the other the foolish builder. And we see some similarities between both these builders. One, they both heard the word of God. Secondly, both of them finished building their house. Thirdly, we kind of see that both these houses looks the same from the outside. The differences though are one obeyed the word that he heard, that is the wise man, but the foolish man did not obey, he just heard the word. Secondly, we see that though it looks similar from the outside, but when you look closer, we see that there is a huge difference, right? The foundation is different. One built his house upon the rock, whereas the other built his house upon the sand. What can we learn from the life of these builders? That's the first point we're going to see. What can we learn from the life of these builders? Firstly, we're going to look into the life of the wise men. What can we learn from the life of the wise men in this story? You see that the wise man, he not only heard the word of God, but he obeyed the word of God. He 
was obedient to what he heard. You see, many of us, we love hearing the word of God, right? That is why sometimes we show up to church. But church, that is not enough. We need to apply what we heard. Some of us read the Bible every day. And that kind of helps us to know that, oh, I'm reading the Bible every day. It kind of helps us with a checklist, right? I read the Bible. But that is not enough. We need to live according to the word. We need to apply the word of God in our lives. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 48, we see about the same wise man, wise man there as well. And Luke chapter 6 and verse 48, we see that he dug deep. He dug deep till he found the proper foundation. Do you dig deep down into the word of God? Are you someone who find yourself spending time exploring the word of God so that you will know more about God in your day-to-day -day lives? That is a sign of a true follower of Christ. That is a sign of a wise builder. You know that there is nothing apart from the word of God that will help you stand firm. So you spend time digging deep. See, Christian life is not easy. There is so much effort into it. Many of us think, you know, we are saved, so now we are safe, right? We just sit back and just go with the flow. We show up to church every Sunday. We show up for cell groups. We hear the word. We would probably call the preacher, the teacher and say, hey, excellent message. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It was very encouraging. And that's it. No, that's not what makes you stand right before God. You need to apply the word of God. You need to be obedient to what you hear. Church, a great way to examine that is just think about the last week. Let's start from last Sunday. You heard our brother Charles preach from the word of God. An excellent message on the life of Matthew. How have you been applying that word in your life? Have you been thinking about that word that you heard? Okay, let's keep the sermon aside. What about your daily Bible reading? You probably might have read something or the other from the scripture. Are you applying those truths in your life? Or are you just reading for the sake of reading it? At the same time, I also want to say some of you who's listening to me, have you even read the Bible through this week? You see, a true follower of Christ is passionate about God and his word. Psalm 1 says that a blessed man is a man who delights in the word of God. I love that word delight. You know, delight, when you hear the word delight, it brings this joy and happiness. You know, it brings this excitement. Does the word of God produce excitement in your heart? Are you thrilled to read the Bible? Do you go to the word of God day and night? Forget day and night. At least during the day or at least during the night, do you go to the word of God? If not, brothers and sisters, you are in a dangerous place. That is what the Bible teaches us. You are in a very dangerous place. Because a true follower of Christ cannot cannot live a long period of time without looking to the source of his life that is the word of God through which 
God speaks. Listen, you can never produce good fruit. You can never look like God or grow in the image of God apart from the word of God. So are you the wise builder in this story? Do you see your, your life being changed by the word of God? If not, you're building your house on the wrong foundation. You see, I like how Jesus used rock to illustrate the word of God. You see, rock, it is solid. It is unmovable and it is stable. Nothing can break the rock. Whether it is flood, whether it is storm, whether it is rain, it will remain. It will stay. So is the word of God. If you dwell yourself in the word of God, it will nourish you. You can stand through the hardest times of life and the Spirit of God will continually work in your heart. Those are the benefits. Those are the benefits of, of building your life on the Word of God. So do you or are you building your life on the Word of God? If not, you're probably the foolish builder in this story. Foolish builder builds his life or his house upon the sand. Sand. It is loose. It is extremely movable. It is unstable. That is why children, when they, they build sand castles, they make sure nobody runs around it. Because it is easy to be destroyed. If it rains, it will be destroyed. If there is flood, it will destroy. If there is a strong wind, it will be destroyed. So will your faith if it is not built on Christ or the word of God. Now I was just thinking probably this foolish builder, this little bit of spirituality you see in him is a small picture of the tradition he follows, right? He's probably building his house upon all the traditions his, fathers and his father and mother has been doing for many years. You know, show up in church, partake of the Lord's Supper, get up on a Sunday and share thought. It's just traditions that you've been following all your lives. If you don't show up to church, it is a bad thing. So then you show up to church. All these traditions that has been passed on to us, we just keep it. But it is not stable because you're not truly having a relationship with God. You are not truly spending your time with the word of God. But rather all these traditions. And the scripture clearly tells us that such things will not stand. It will fall. It will fall. And then Jesus goes on to say that these two houses will be tested. Which leads me to the second point. The great storm. What does this great storm teach us or speak about? I believe the great storm speaks about the final judgment. The great final judgment. And I really like how Jesus, you know, builds up to the story. You look from verse 13, he speaks about the narrow and the broad way. He speaks about one that leads to eternal life and one that leads to destruction or hell. Then he speaks about two trees, one that bear good fruit and one that bear bad fruit. He says the bad tree is cut off and thrown into fire. Then he says about two good, two group of people. One group that comes to Jesus says, Lord, Lord, I did a lot of these things in your name. 
And Jesus would look at them and said, I say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Because you've been practicing lawlessness. On the other hand, the other group are the people who keep or follow the will of God. And Jesus will embrace them. So listen, church. Only the great judgment will reveal our foundation. Only when the storm hits the house will we know if we are standing on a solid foundation or not. Similarly, it is only the great judgment that will truly reveal what we have built our life on. Think about it. It is easy to act Christian around anybody. See, I can fool anybody in our church by just showing up there, you know, helping with the setup team, helping with the music team, helping with the Sunday school, doing all of these spiritual activities. I can fool anybody. And nobody will ever know if I'm living a Christ-like life or not. You know, when Joy Chen calls me or Rebbe Chen calls me or Charles Chen or Pradeep calls me, I can say, oh yeah, I'm reading the Bible. You know, I read Psalm 23. I can say all of these things and fool them. But listen, the scary truth is the judgment day, you cannot fool God. He knows your heart and he knows exactly where you are building your foundation on. And if your foundation is not him and his word, the scripture tells that you will fall. And the scripture says that great was the fall. Great was the fall. Church, I believe this is tragedy of all tragedies that we can think of. That all our lives, we've been telling ourselves these lies that, you know, you show up to church, you do all, all of these activities that will help us stand right before God. No, church, that will not help us stand right before God if you do not truly have a relationship with God. And it is scary, church. It really scares me. Because I've met and I've come across so many people who have deceived themselves. Some of them have repented and turned towards God. Some of them haven't. And they think they, they can turn whenever they can. But it doesn't work that way. Every time you're being disobedient to God and His Word, you're actually drifting away from God. And you will keep drifting away from God to a point where you realize you don't want to do anything with God. And that is scary. You know, I'm reminded of a story that I heard while I was in the States. There was this one boy who did all spiritual activities in the church. Everything. He was up there. But his friend, who was a true follower of God, knew that he was not walking with God. He walked up to him and he said, listen, bro, I have seen you do crazy things in your life. I've seen pictures of you with bad people doing bad things. How can you then come call upon the name of the Lord when you're living a sinful life? He looked at him and he said, you mind your own business. I'm like the prodigal son. You know, one day I will make that comeback. After a few months, this other friend gets a phone call with the news that this other guy met with an accident and he's critical in the hospital. He ran to the hospital and he saw his father on his knees praying to God. So the father and this other guy went into the room to talk to him and they shared the gospel with him and they told him, you still have time to repent. 
And this other man lying on the bed, breathing his last breath, said, I don't want this God. Those were his last words. Nobody knew this. They kept a funeral. And as usual, the church leaders came forward and said, oh, what a great boy he was. Oh, he helped us with the music. He helped us with this ministry. He helped us with that ministry. He was out there giving tracks. They all said all these good things that we all hear for all the funerals, right? And at the end of all of this, the father of this brother who passed away stood up and he said, Church, thank you for all the encouraging words. But let me tell you, it is so easy to deceive others. My son has been deceiving himself. You're all wrong. See, when he was home, he never produced godly characters. I've never seen him read the Bible or pray. When we speak about Bible, he would just walk away. He had no passion for God. He would never show up for prayer meetings. Even if he showed up, it was just to play instruments because he loved playing instruments and yet he was talented. Then the father made that, that statement. He said, on his deathbed, me and this other young boy sat there and shared the gospel. Listen, this is what he said. I don't want to do anything with this God. Those were his last words. Church, it breaks my heart to know that my son will, won't spend eternity with me in heaven. But listen, we need to worry about our generation. There are many of them who are being deceived. When I heard this story, church, you know, it... it it brought a great burden for many people in our church. Because I believe there are so many like this young boy who are deceiving themselves. Because in our church, especially in our community, we have this tendency. You know, you do a lot of activities, you do a lot of performances. It will make you look righteous. It will make you look better Christian. And when you don't read the Bible, when you don't walk with the Lord, you know what we do usually? We put our performances on an overdrive. You know, I will sing this week. I will do more things this week. So then that will, you know, balance all the days I've not read the Bible. That is dangerous. I'll share with you one more story. Last year, I spoke with a young brother who was living in the Middle East, who was struggling in his spiritual walk. He called me. We spoke for an hour and he told me that he's struggling to read the Bible. He told me that it's been at least three to four months since he opened his Bible and he read and he was crying and he was sharing his struggles and I was encouraging him and I was really sharing the gospel with him. And then he cut the call. The next day he calls me and he said, Tobin, you know what? I figured out a way to fix this problem. And I was like, that's great. What did he figure out? And then he goes on to say, you know what? Our Sunday school principal called me and told me that, you know, they're going to keep VPS next month. They need volunteers. So I thought volunteering for VPS would be a great way to fix my spiritual life. He was smiling. He was happy. I was not. Because here's the problem. I was thinking in my head, this young man is going to stand in front of the children and tell them that you need to read your Bible. You need to love your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. You need to repent of your sin. You need to pray every day. Whereas this young gentleman does not practice these things in his life. You see, this actually looks like the Pharisees, right? And that is why I believe today we have more Pharisaical Christians in our churches than true, genuine Christians. And that is scary. 
And you know what's even more scarier? Jesus knew this will happen. He knows this is going to happen. And that is exactly why he said, there will be many. There will be many. Church, I know that some of you listening to me are, is probably scared right now. You're like, why is this guy even preaching this kind of message? Church, I could have chosen some other passage. But my heart led me to this passage because this is important. Because I see a lot of young people building their life upon sand. Wasting their life upon the wrong things. When they know what is the right thing to do. And it is dangerous. It is very dangerous. So brothers and sisters, I plead, I humbly ask you to examine yourself. Where are you building your life? What is your foundation? You see this, this weather forecast that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about is definitely going to happen. Look around us. The world is leading to a place that clearly shows us that one day when Jesus said he will come back for his church, that is going to happen. And when he says that he's going to judge, that is going to happen. Are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for it? Are you spending your time wisely building on the word of God? Or are you having this I don't care attitude in life? You know, it'll happen someday. Don't deceive yourself, brothers and sisters. Because you might end up being in that many. And it will be tragedy of all tragedies when you will cry out to the Lord and say, I did this, Lord. I did that. Maybe you can even add this sermon to your statement and say that I even heard Tobin say these things. I was there, present, when he preached these words. And the Lord will look at you and say, I never knew you. Brothers and sisters, my heart is right now shaking as I'm sharing this with you. Please work on your life. I'm humbly begging you to take your spiritual walk very seriously. You know, the last six months our church sermons have been centered around these truths. Our elders, our teachers have been constantly reminding us because they care genuinely for your soul. Don't waste your life building on things that is loose, unstable, it will fall. Build your life upon the word of God. It will stand firm. So what are some of the applications that we can learn from this text? If you are the foolish builder in this story, firstly, I would ask you to repent of your sins. Repent of your sins and truly believe in the true gospel of Jesus. Jesus could have just said about the storm and gone back to heaven or wherever he wanted to. But Jesus loved you so much so that he even gave you a way out of being killed and destroyed in the storm. That is by giving his own life for you, for the sins of this world. He died on the cross for you, my dear brothers and sisters. Repent. Do not be deceived. Repent. It's okay to be deceived so far, but today you can 
make that right choice by looking to Jesus. Repent today, brothers and sisters. Don't keep it for tomorrow. We have this tendency, right? We'll say, you know, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this later. That's how many of us drift away from God. We'll say, I'll read the Bible tomorrow, not today, tomorrow. Don't keep it for tomorrow. Repent today. Turn your ways to God. He is faithful to forgive you. He will not count all the years you've been deceiving yourselves. He will not count that against you. He will forgive you. What he cares the most is your heart, that you would repent and turn to you. He will be the most joyful person. So repent, my dear brothers and sisters. Repent of your sins. If you find yourself as an in-betweener, between the wise man and the foolish man in this story, I want to encourage you and tell you that if you know building your life upon the word of God is the right thing to do, pursue that. Now stop wasting your life turning to the world. Fight intentionally to put away the earthly things that takes your attention away from God and fix your eyes on the word of God. Like Paul writes to the church in Colossae, set your hearts and minds on things above. You know, if you are struggling so much where you're not finding delight in God's word, reach out to your brothers and sisters in church, matured Christians, tell them you're struggling, seek for help. God has given us church community for that very reason. Praise God, brothers and sisters, we have a church and elders who don't really judge us, but really care for our souls. Reach out to them. When they call you, don't cut the fall. Speak to them. Share your heart out to them. They will pray for you. They will encourage you. They will share their life and experiences, which is valuable in our Christian walk. Finally, if you are the wise builder in the story, brothers and sisters, let me continue to encourage you to dig deep into the Word of God. Continue studying the Word of God. You know, enjoy the joy the Word brings in your life. You know, enjoy the pleasures of God's goodness that he brings out through his word. He is good God. He will produce good fruits through your life. Enjoy it. And as you enjoy it, share it with the world around you. As we learn today, the storm is definitely going to hit. And there are so many people who is building their life on vain, vain things. Reach out to them. Tell them the good news of Jesus. Help them. You know, snatch them from fire as Jude speaks. Help our brothers and sisters who are struggling in their spiritual walk. Church, following Jesus is not an easy thing. There is so much time, commitment and effort put into it. It, it does not really look attractive, but it is worth it. It is worth it. It helps you stand through difficult periods in life. More than anything, it will help you reach the glorious day that we're looking forward, the day we will get to spend with God. So then, church, what is your foundation? What is your life built on? If you're building your life upon the word of God, the scripture promises us that you will spend eternity with him. If you're building your life upon the things of this world, the scripture tells us that we will fall 
and great will be the fall and we will find ourselves in hell. So what is your foundation? What is your life built on? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We do not deserve it, but we are so thankful for that. Father, we are thankful for your word. Though it is so scary to know that there will be many on that day that will be deceived and that will go to hell. It encourages our heart that this morning, through this word, we are reminded that you love us so much so that you're warning us even now not to be part of that many, that we can make that right choice by repenting and turning to you. So Father, I pray for the brothers and sisters who are really confused or questioning their faith at this moment. Would the Spirit convict them and help them and open their hearts to show what they really need to do? Father, help us to be more careful in our spiritual life. Help us not to deceive ourselves by following traditions that our forefathers did, but rather help us to focus on your word. Help us to live a, a Christ-like life so that it will bring glory to your name, so that it will help us to proclaim the gospel to the lost world around us. Help us, Lord Father. We do not have that strength. That strength comes from you. So we look to you. We turn our eyes to you. Help us. For we pray this prayer through Son and our Savior Christ Jesus. Amen.